all of you in your market have various unfair advantages. And when you collaborate with someone, then you get to leverage those unfair advantages together. We're leveraging relationships, and those relationships are tied to unfair advantages. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Stu Heineck. Today we're learning about how to grow your real estate business like a weed. Stu wrote a book called How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed, and we're applying those lessons to a real estate investing context today. As real estate investors, sometimes we think our businesses are different from other businesses, but they're really not. We need to have repeatable processes. We need to have teams, systems, competitive advantages, or as Stu puts it, unfair advantages. And today we're digging into what entrepreneurs and business owners can learn from weeds, not weed businesses, but weeds, the actual weeds that you see in your yard. What makes weeds successful and how can we apply that to our businesses to leverage our advantages and become successful, grow rapidly, survive in difficult conditions, grow in difficult conditions, and so much more. Stu has a huge wealth of knowledge. He is a successful author and cartoonist who has a strong track record of building relationships with highly powerful and successful people. And today we're learning about how he leveraged those relationships and created win-win scenarios to help him grow his book and his business. We're digging into all of that today. A ton of great knowledge, a ton of great lessons. You're going to learn a lot. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Vote. I'm a real estate investor. And to date, I have acquired, invested in, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over 200 $50 million of commercial real estate investments. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I'll look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Without any further ado, let's go. Stu, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to learn about growing our businesses like a weed, not growing a weed business, growing our businesses like a weed and what that That's really right. means. But for our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about yourself, what you do, and your book? Sure. Well, I have a crazy background. It's I'm I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. I'm a marketer. I'm a Hall of Fame nominated marketer a couple of times. I've used cartoons in my marketing campaigns my whole career. I've used them to break through to people that I never should be able to reach, presidents, prime ministers, celebrities, and lots of C-level folks. And, and so, in fact, I use that, still use that trick to help sales teams break through. But I, I also then wrote a few books, and one of them was How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. And, you know, if we can't get meetings, human beings, we're just human beings. If we can't meet with each other, then we don't, nothing happens. So... That was a useful, that was a useful one, a fun book. People have done the most amazing, audacious, crazy things to get meetings with, with people that can change the scale of everything in their careers or in their businesses. And so that's, that was a cool book, how to get a meeting with anyone. And then, and then came this labor of love. I was driving down the freeway long, long time ago and down in, in Los Angeles on the Santa Monica freeway. And it's six lanes of traffic coming one way and, the, and then six lanes coming the other way and about a 40-foot-wide concrete median in the middle. So a lot of concrete tires and no place for a plant to take root. But there was a dandelion growing out of a crack in the concrete median. <laughs> and, you know, that's the kind of thing. We see it all the time, right? I mean, it was just like, I mean, it's just, it's, they're everywhere. And, and so I don't know why that one struck me, but it did. It struck me. And I just thought, look at that. That is impressive. That's incredible. 
look what it's pulling off. I mean, it's just the seat landed in that crack and, and it's making a living. It looks like it's happy. It's not looking like it's saying to itself, well, this sucks. I really saw myself as living at the beach. No, no, it didn't. Was it? it was just running its process and was happy. That's really impressive because, well, let's say, you know, there are no apple trees growing out of a, out of the cracks in concrete medians <laughs> or petunias or many other plants. They, they don't do it. They, they couldn't cut it as a weed, I guess, really. So it's just weeds that are doing it. So what's so special about weeds? What's that all about? And we, of course, we know that expression to grow like a weed. So what are they doing? Do, do they have a model? And, and if they do, is it, is it a model that we can, that we can apply to our, our businesses? And there is a model. I think it's the theory of everything about growing anything. And that's what launched my, my latest book, How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed. And here we are. I love that. I love that analogy. And it's a great point about dandelions and other weeds surviving in the middle of a, a busy highway, living on only you know exhaust fumes and cigarette butts. And right. so I, I'd love to just dive right into it and learn, you know, what can we learn from observing weeds about for, for our businesses? How can we apply those lessons to our businesses and, and what can we learn? Yeah, sure. Well, I think some of them are going to be more applicable applicable than others, or some parts of it are more are more applicable to your audience than than the full thing. But but here's what weeds this is the weeds model. They all do the same thing. They all leverage a fierce mindset. By the way, the weed mindset is not this, not a bunch of guys. Sitting around smoking dubs, right? It's not that. <laughs> and I realize this doesn't even sound serious, but the fact is, if you watch the weeds in your yard or anywhere, if you watch what they're doing, you'll get it. You'll see what you'll see my point. They are so ferocious in what they're doing. And they just they have this process, they have this, they have these things they're doing that are very, very effective. And we can apply them to our businesses. So so again, they they leverage a fierce mindset and unfair advantages against collective scale. And they do it according to a process that's millions of years old, but able to adapt quickly. And it's whatever, whatever the process is, whatever it's evolved to be, because that really is their evolution, it's programmed directly into their DNA and they run it like, well, they run their process the way, let's say a computer runs a program. They just do it maybe even better than a computer does because they do it with attitude and they, and they pull it off to just the impossible. So that's what they're doing. But if you think about the nature of weeds, they they deal with what is, right? I mean, they don't, they're they're not consumed by emotions. That that weed I mentioned just a moment ago and the, the dandelion in the freeway thinking to it wasn't thinking it, to, it probably wasn't thinking, but but if it was, it wasn't <laughs> thinking like, well, this really sucks. I saw myself as living at the beach, not here. You know, they just deal with what is whatever comes up, whatever's there. This one, the seed landed in the crack and it made a living right there. And how does a how does a plant even do that? Because Where's the water table under? I mean, you know, most of the water runs off. So it's this very little water that's falling into the crack. I don't know how it pulls it off, but it does. It deals with whatever it finds. And and that's incredibly useful to all of us. And I would think anyone in the real estate market, because there's a lot of disruption happening in the in the real estate. There always is, actually. There's always a lot of disruption happening in life. So they deal with what is. They never do anything without an unfair advantage. There's those unfair advantages again. They never do anything alone. They're always, they're always operating at scale. They're always collaborating. They always focus on what makes them win. That's their process. And that I'm sure applies to, to your, your listeners. And here's one of the really interesting things. They thrive best in disrupted ground. And, and I think that's just one of the, I, I love weeds now. I didn't, I don't know, it wasn't different before, but now I look at them and go, look at that. Oh my God, here they come again. This is cool. Look at it. Spring. So, but they thrive best in disrupted ground. And by that, I mean, you know, let's say, well, 
farmers' fields and our yards and gardens, those that's all disrupted ground. Now the, the plants that are in those in those spaces being disrupted, they're they're I mean, that's life and death for them. But the weeds are somewhere else and their their seeds are flying around and they're they're landing where they were wherever they land and they, they're spreading. And the thing is that the disruption makes their spread much, much easier. So I think that weed strategy probably is a theory for not just growth, but for thriving during recessions, for example, or pandemics. And so I think that's what makes them really interesting. Some of those things are going to be much more, some are going to be more applicable applicable to your audience than others, but I think they all really actually do apply. Nice. So I was thinking about this the other day as I was mowing my lawn and looking at the weeds in my lawn. I noticed one of them in particular, (laughs) one of them in particular lies it has fairly broad leaves and lies very flat so flat that it's lower than the blades of my mower will ever get but that means that it creeps out on top of the grass and ultimately chokes out the grass from the sunlight it's taking over that ground from the grass it's using an unfair competitive advantage to take ground and it's kind of acknowledging or or working with the constraints that I'm going to mow it every week but it's avoiding my mower blades. And I think that's a really interesting analogy for how we can be scrappy and competitive in business. Absolutely. And I think you're probably talking about a dandelion. If not, dandelion (laughs) be that. Yeah. Well, I I mean, dandelions have that radial fan of leaves that, that are, that lay low. You, you'll never get them with your mower. They block all the sunlight and and rain from that spot there. So it's really actually, it's actually an, an incredibly effective local strategy for for strangling out all competitors. I think that's actually really, that really is a lot like what you're doing in, in real estate. When you're, the real estate doesn't move and location has everything to do with how a property does. And so there is some sort of, probably is some sort of, well, that's just one of those unfair advantages that gives you a local unfair advantage that anything around you is not going to, that's not going to survive. Absolutely. So the topic of, of of disrupted ground, I think, is really interesting because the Great Recession or the wake of the Great Recession was really one of the best times in probably our lifetime to be a real estate investor. But a lot of folks weren't able to capitalize upon that because they didn't they didn't see the advantage. They didn't have the mindset to th- see the advantage. They just saw all of the destruction that caused that advantage to take place. Right, there's a big crash in real estate and harmed a lot of people, but that also meant a lot of opportunity for those who could capitalize. That's kind of the flip side of yeah. the coin. So we can know this academically, but how do we work on our mindset to prepare ourselves for these disrupted situations? Well, I think for one, certainly we can take solace in the fact, or like more than solace. I mean, we can take inspiration from the fact that. Well, for one, half of the Fortune 500 started, those companies started either during depressions or the depression or recessions. Isn't that incredible? I mean, they're, they're, that's a real trend. That's, that's what's saying is that, is that times of, let's say, recession, for example, are times of actually great opportunity. But, but, you're, but it's a great question. How do you get into that mindset of, okay, but, you know, but aren't, aren't recessions something to be feared? And don't we just sort of take in all, don't we just sort of, pull up all the stakes and, and, and pull everything in close and, and cut every expense. And really what you're doing is playing a, a defensive game, I guess, when you could be playing an offensive one. Not, gee, that has a devil meaning. <laughs> Thinking, but, but you want to play offense rather than defense is what I mean to say. And so, you know, and you realize that in the real estate market, good God, I mean, when recessions hit, that's when prices get really soft. What a great time to buy. I mean, that's, that's when you start multiplying 
every aspect of your business. If you can buy real estate, if you can if you find ways to buy that real estate, you're just, you're just miles ahead of where you would have been otherwise. I think actually, so if you just start thinking about recessions as a time of, of great opportunity, but you have to be in position to thrive. So I, I guess that's, that's the trick. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I certainly am not here to say, let me join you as, a, as a, an expert real estate investor. That's not what I mean. I have a house and, <laughs> and I've invested in, in commercial real estate, but that's not what I do for a living. But I do think that there are parallels across all, all forms of business in terms of saying, well, okay, let's start cultivating unfair advantages. What are our unfair advantages? And, and you know, in real estate, a lot of it is, I, I keep thinking about location. That can't be the only thing. But cost and location, and I guess among, among the things in location would be just, just being closer to resources that, are all, that you always have to draw upon or being convenient to reach or being convenient to convenient place to stop by. If you're renting the space to Starbucks, it's a convenient place to take a left, I mean, a right turn for coffee, all those things. There, there, are, there have to be a lot of unfair advantages that are built into real estate deals and, and just real estate locations and, and buildings, just the kind of buildings that they are. In regular other business, forms of business, those, well, gosh, we're about to see something amazing. Uh, and I'm realizing there will be a time lag between now when we're recording and when when this will be heard. But right now, we're, we're just about, just before Elon will launch Starship, and it'll be the first orbital launch. I, I think Elon does a really amazing job of really, he's, the guy's just kind of a total weed, isn't he? I mean, nothing, <laughs> nothing. And so, well, we know we, with the Falcon booster system, they went through this try, fail, try, fail, try, succeed process to learn, to teach themselves how to put a spaceship, how to put a, a rocket, or really to put cargo, but put, put a, a booster up into orbit, bring it back down, and bring it back down propulsively so it lands right right where they want it, almost you know, within, it's just a pinpoint landing, but propulsively, and no one had done it before, and the rockets were blowing up, and they were then they were blowing up, on they've, a lot of them blew up on landing, and then they started sticking the landings, and I don't think they've missed a landing in a long time. And they're able to do something that no one else can do. No other space agency can do. They can put cargo into, into orbit and then land the booster back down on, on ground and reuse it and reuse it and reuse it. And so they brought the cost down a lot. That's a great unfair, that's a great example of an unfair advantage. But they can take so many different forms. And, and so even just, even, I'm on an island and there's a, there's a business services shop where you can bring in your, so really they're a stationary kind of shop. And you can bring in your your FedEx package, and so they're they're a FedEx package collection point, and that's an unfair advantage because it draws people. People have to drop off their FedEx packages, and that draws people into their shop. So that's an unfair. By unfair advantages, I'm just saying that these are are strong competitive advantages that your competitor competitors either won't be able to match or will have a hard time matching. So yeah, a lot of this. I think a lot of it does relate to ultimately to what 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 your audience does. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I I totally agree that real estate is is much more similar to other types of businesses than than we tend to think. And some of the most successful real estate investors that I've I've gotten to know over the over the years who are very successful in real estate have made a lot of money will tell you that they don't actually love real estate. They love making money. They love having a successful business. Maybe some interest in real estate is what that got them started, but they generally have more of a passion for building businesses, building teams, building systems, just generally making money than they do 
making a house look nice or flipping a house and seeing the finished product. That stuff can be kind of nice to see. But at the end of the day, that doesn't really drive you to keep doing the next successive deal. Really wanting to build a business is what's going to propel you forward. Mm. So I think we we would make a mistake by thinking that real estate is is totally different from any other type of business. Yeah. Well, I kind of have a question then, because one of the things that that we're finding in in the application of weed strategy and in other forms of business is collaboration is huge. And and weeds, if they could talk to us, they would tell us, you need to team up with the smartest people you know as fast as you can. Get away from one-to-one leverage and and start teaming up, start collaborating. And and that's showing up in my business. It's showing up in some really shocking ways. And I'm just kind of curious to know, sorry to interview the interviewer, but on the other hand, <laughs> I, I would really love to know, does, how does collaboration show up in, in, in your marketplace? So in my, I'll speak for my business in particular, my business is almost 100% built on collaborating and working with and building partnerships with others. That's how I got started as a real estate investor, mm-hmm. passively partnering with others. That's how I've found my all my partners today is just by building relationships over time. I think that is probably the most unique thing about the real estate investing industry in particular is that real estate investors are generally more open to working together collaboratively to make money on deals than I see in other industries like wow. perhaps tech or you know yeah. retail or anything like that. I think that's probably the most unique part of real estate, but that's not about the real estate. It's more about just the culture of real estate investing, I think. Well, I bet, you know, that I, I don't know why I hadn't seen that coming into the interview, but you're right. They, it's all about collaboration, <laughs> isn't it? And, and that, you know, the weed, that's what the weeds are telling us. Do it. If, if you want to grow quickly, that's how you do it. And if you fall back to one-to-one leverage, I'll do it all myself. I'll do it out of my own, my own funds. You're not going to grow. Well, you might grow, but you, you'll grow very, very slowly. And then entering into those kinds of collaborations causes that that growth to just multiply just like crazy. And it's showing up showing up in some really crazy ways in my business. One of them is, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just tell you this real quick example of it. Please. You know, I have the book. I should hold up the book at some point. Here's my book. How to, oh, there we go. That doesn't belong in there. How to grow your business like a weed. And so I want to grow the book. And, and so, and you and I connected through a, through a, a publicist, but I've, I want to do this much smarter than that. I mean, obviously I have a publicist. I don't want to ignore that, but, but I want to do it in ways that are, that become unfair advantages. So I, I ended up in the book I named, or I said that I was going to start a new award, a new annual award called the Total Weed Award. And it'll be to celebrate weed-like spread and, and growth among entrepreneurs and startups and, and, and business owners. And, and so after the book launched, well, I, the thing is, I, I, I was kind of a coup. I, I asked the executive director of the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center to write the foreword to the book, which she did. So after the book came out, I said, Nicola, you know, I have this award. I've got a startup. And, and I'm just wondering, could we turn this into, could we collaborate on it? Could the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center become the home of the award? And she said, yeah. I'm going, fantastic. I mean, because that changes the whole, the whole character of the award. And we talk a little further and realize, well, we could sell sponsorship against this and we should get, her, her suggestion was, we need to get a media partner on this right away. So we're about to launch it. So it launches next month. We're going we're gonna to be approaching CNBC and Forbes and Wall Street Journal and Harvard Business Review and so on to, to, to become our media partner in this thing. And they already have media partner. This is NASDAQ. They already have media partnerships with these outlets. So suddenly, suddenly the book is, I mean, because it all leads back to the book. So 
there will be this annual award every year, obviously every year, but every spring when the when the weeds come out, and we'll be talking about the we at the at the Nasdaq Entrepreneurial Center, and in I don't know the CNBC or or other coverage, we'll be talking about this year's crop of of total weeds of entrepreneurs that have really pulled <laughs> off something amazing. And, and, you know, it all just goes back to my book because that's where it came from. It comes from my book. And I think, I think actually because, because I'm applying weed strategy to this, because this is not the, the tradi traditional way to do anything with a book, the traditional way is to hire a publicist. And, and so I think it's actually because it's tied to weeds and what weeds do, and they do it every spring. And I think it's going to become the biggest growth strategy book on the market. Not obviously not right away. But I think it's on its way. It's because of weed strategy. So, and and also because that's what an inch, what a cool collaboration. I would not be collaborating with with Nasdaq or a, a part of Nasdaq if I wasn't following weed strategy and if I didn't, you know, hadn't written the book. So there are all kinds of really interesting ways that collaborations can show up, and when they do, it it just multiplies everything. That's awesome. So you. I hate to use the phrase leverage relationships, but that's probably the most relevant phrase here. You, you leverage those relationships in that particular strategy, but also to inspire inspire the book in the first place and, and help you get the book kind of rolling and moving forward. And I really wonder how do you start, but also cultivate those relationships and continue to grow those relationships over time because incredibly relevant to real estate investing or, or relationships. And you know, you had those folks that you could call at, at NASDAQ and, and speak with, but they knew you from somewhere, right? You'd built the relationships over time and, and maintained them and, yeah. and grown. They weren't just getting a call out of the blue from somebody random. How did you achieve that? Well, I was a speaker for, for the center, for the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center. And I came on to talk about my, I, in my earlier book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. So it was just helping entrepreneurs get meetings. Again, I mean, if you can't get meetings, nothing, we certainly can't sell, but really nothing happens if you can't connect with the right people. So, so it was, I spoke for them and then reached out afterward and asked, asked the executive director, should we consider writing, writing the foreword to my next book? And it's, you know, it's about growth strategy. It made sense. The thing is, I'm, I just described this as, as though I'm the only one getting benefit. And that's not at all what's happening. I, I'm bringing a, a new property to, to the Entrepreneurial Center so we can promote their message and sell sponsorship. And they should make a lot of money. I'm not going to take any of the sponsorship. So, so they should make a lot of it, a lot of money from it. It'll be a, an annual fundraiser for them. So it, so it does, it does them a lot of good as well. And, and I think that's, that, that's the key to these things is to, is to come up with ways to bring new, well, really it is new unfair advantages to them. Actually, I mean, like, I think the greatest unfair advantage you could have is is the ability to confer unfair advantages on others. And I know that that's happening in the real estate market as well. But, you know, you might have there are some positions you have different properties. I'm not sure quite how how that how that would take form, but I can see it. I could just see it. Just all of you in the in in your market have various unfair advantages. And when you collaborate with someone, then you get to you get to you get to leverage those those unfair advantages together. So I don't know if it's really a, it's not really leverage. It sounds if you we're leveraging people, that sounds a little maybe a little cold, but but we're leveraging relationships, and and those relationships are tied to unfair advantages, and then you get to you get to combine those unfair advantages, and something utterly unique comes out of it. And I'm doing that with I'm 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 still I'm also doing that with all the smartest people I know. I'm, I'm dealing I'm, you know, putting together collaborations with other business authors and founders and CEOs and. 
we've got, a, I have a media founder, CEO, that's one of my collaborators and, and several of the top sales authors and, and the list goes on and on. And we're, we're all doing these growth summits in bucket list locations all around the world. So when I team up with, let's say, someone like Mark Hunter, who's one of the top sales authors in the world, I give him this, this wonderful growth framework of, of the weed strategy model and really just the context of its growth. I mean, it's growth context to he's helping companies sell, but it, sales is not growth. Sales is, is fuel for growth, but it's not growth and it's not strategy for growth. So I give a great context to his, his message. And he also gives a great context to mine. We're going to be talking, we'll give a great, we'll give a lot of emphasis to how to use sales to, to boost growth. But really in those summits, I'm talking about unfair advantages and, and radical collaborations all the way through. And here's the cool thing. They get access to my, my, my group, my, my followers, my, my, email list and so on, I get access to theirs. And we, we combine that access to create something that we didn't have before. And that's just the, the nature of collaboration all the way around. And so I don't know that, I think it's through those relationships. You've got to build those really, I know going back to your original question, you've got to build those relationships and you've got to have these compelling, you could call them compelling reasons to, to, to collaborate, but it's really bringing unfair advantages, just unique unfair advantages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it kind of illustrates the old principle from how to win friends and influence people, right? Your ability to succeed in the world and the professional world is really down to your ability to build relationships with others and understand what they're looking for and fill their needs and, and everything around that. I think it's tried and true principles, but also coming at them from an entrepreneurial framework and how can we apply them to our businesses? If I can, you know, read between the lines a little bit and maybe add yeah. my own spin to it. <laughs> to a I, well, I think it makes sense. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great. Right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Right. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances, and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com, scroll down to the Stessa logo, and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Stu, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Well, you know, I would say I, certainly any, any investment I've made in real estate has always paid off. They're always, they are great, great ways to do that. But, but you know, we, you can invest money. Oh, I should also mention a few, stock, a few stocks, a few startups and so on. But I'm, mostly I reinvest in my own business. And so, so I, I guess, you know, we could, we could talk about investments in terms of money or our time and attention, perhaps, and or focus, and and I think probably some of the best investments I've made are in writing the books that I've written and becoming a cartoonist. I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists, but I awesome. I was mentored by a lot of the great cartoonists from Playboy and the New Yorker, and and that that made me stand out among all other marketers. And essentially, just developing unfair advantages and and creating rad these radical collaborations I've been talking about. 
Awesome. I love that. And again, going back to relationships, mentorship, and that, that helped you get to where you are today. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to break it down to financial and, and, and then, uh, and then time, attention and focus. So financially, it was probably investing in, I, there was one point where I, I wanted to, I was building my, my business in a certain direction. And I thought, you know, I think I want to have all of my printing done in-house. And so I invested a lot of money in all kinds of equipment to do that. And when I look back on that, I'm thinking that was, that was just not a good investment because printers are all around. They have better, they're always going to have better equipment than you could have, you know, and they're absorbing the cost of that investment. And all you do is show up and, and, and print what you need. And I should have, I should have thought of, of that. I wanted to have it in house. And I think that all goes back to that. I talk about it in how to grow your business like a weed that we are in, in just, it's just inbred in us that we always revert to one-to-one -one leverage in our thinking. And that was one-to-one -one leverage. And I should have been thinking in terms of collaborating with vendors instead. So that, well, let's say financially, I've spent a lot of money doing that, shouldn't have. And then in terms of focus and time and attention, I think really it's about, when I watch a lot of people try to stand out in their marketing and in their in, in social media and so on, but they're trying to stand out, be different, all this stuff. And by doing, <clears throat> they're doing the same thing everyone else is doing. And so if you're following conventional wisdom, if you, I don't know, I think you can recognize it in yourself, maybe not, but if you're following conventional wisdom, look for better ways. I think that's a great way to invest your focus. Interesting. So that, that point about looking for one-to-one -one leverage in particular and, and investing in the printing hardware and everything for your own business, if you were to, you said looking for one-to-one -one leverage, if you were to reframe that or, or what what should you be looking for? Should you be looking for, you know, one to 10, one to 100 leverage? Or is that kind of just the wrong frame or to, framework to be thinking about it and just think about? You know, I think okay. it was just, you know, by one-to-one -one leverage, I mean, there's so many things that we just, we, I, I, we all find ourselves saying, no, I think I could just do that myself. And and so that that applies to so many things, so just things that you could hire, like the printing example I just gave, but finding things that, that if, you know, just taking on things that you shouldn't be taking on. You could you could take them on because either you're too proud to, you know, have someone else do it or, or maybe you just, maybe just realize, wait a minute, you know, I can make my own videos. I can teach myself how to do that. I can teach myself, you can teach us, we can teach ourselves how to do anything. You know, you're, I'm talking to entrepreneurs. Generally, you're talking about entrepreneur, actually real, real estate entrepreneurs. These are smart people. They're they're some of the most, let's say, self-reliant people on the planet. So that's both a a blessing and a curse because it also means that we just we end up hoarding a lot of the things that we end up being our own bottleneck to growth because we're we're insisting on doing things that other people should be doing. We should just have other people do for us, or we should collaborate somehow and do that. As opposed to collaborating and and collaborating, it's because you're saying is it one to one or it should be should be should you be seeking out one to ten or one to one to a hundred and I guess that is true. I didn't thought of it that way, but really it's if when you start leveraging these relationships and creating collaborations, I just in, in my earlier example of, of collaborating with some of the some of these authors and and very prominent people, they, they all have these customer bases that I, I don't have. And I gain access to those customer bases this way. And I don't know if it's going to turn into one to ten or one to a hundred or one to a thousand. But all I know is I can I can grow much faster if I work with people who have their own customer bases and we combine efforts and and that makes just all the difference in the world interesting i love you're really speaking to me and, and where i stand in my business today but we, we won't belabor that right now my favorite question here at the end of the show 
<laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it after we stop recording. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Man, I knew this question was coming. I've been thinking about it. I'm like, what do I want to tell Taylor? I, you know, I mean, like, follow your passion. And I'm sure people have said all those, all kinds of things like, like that. But since we were talking about Elon and I was talking about Elon earlier in another conversation, and I'm so impressed with his development process where he, that try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, try, succeed process. And, you know, I think one of the things that's showing up throughout business way too much is that people are afraid to fail. And I would say, don't be afraid to fail. Use failure as a tool to learn and teach yourself something completely new or open a new, a new strategy, a new, a new tactic or, or process that no one else can match. It was really, ultimately, it's, it's about creating those unfair advantages. But, but that fear of failure that lack of accept acceptance of failure. And I don't mean like you should go around being a failure. I mean, you should allow yourself to make mistakes so you learn from them. And when you do, you don't make those mistakes anymore. And because you've made that mistake and learned from it, a lot of other people are just, they're shying away from any of getting anywhere close to that, that point. They're not figuring anything new out. They're just, they're playing it safe. And those are the people that don't, that don't really get very far. You've got to get out and try things. And some things will work and some things won't. You learn from all of it. Wow. Well, again, speaking right to where I am in my business, too. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing this knowledge with our listeners. If folks want to find the book, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Well, again, the book is called How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed. You can find it anywhere, anywhere books are sold. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. would love that. You just if you can see my, the spelling of my name. Just find me on, on LinkedIn and tell them, tell me that, or mention that you heard us, Taylor and I talking together. And I, I would love to connect with you. The probably, those are probably the two easiest ways to do it. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.